0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the game is about glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ricky and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, good
1: evening, Steph. Nice to be on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we haven't seen you for a while, have we? It's, uh, been having a bit of a nice summer break down there, have you? Uh...
1: I'm not a stalwart like you two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you make us sound like some sort of pesky fungus, actually, when you say the way oh. you pronounce that word.
2: But <laughs> well, it's an old 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 school football word, isn't it? The old. Oh, stalwart. I know. It's great yeah. word. So That's we've been here point. for the last weeks, carried on talking. We just turn off the record to save everyone else the pain <laughs> of no listening to, listen to okay. it. And
1: then people come in at nine. <laughs> yeah. I stay. know, I
0: know. We're so desperate. <laughs> I I realised my desperation over lack of football was complete when I actually watched uh, the final minutes of Everton's. A tunnel cam after the the victory against palace just to see that bit of richarlison where he throws the ice in the air and starts yelling in the changing room and i was just like wow football is brilliant and i really miss it but anyway yeah hello chaps <laughs> we are in the thick of a transfer window like no other as i'm sure everyone listening uh knows uh, if you don't, uh, you haven't been listening at all, have you? Because it's been really exciting. Uh, and with preseason training having officially commenced today, Monday, the July the 4th, I'm trying to be clever. I'm assuming that this will come out on the 4th. so Maybe, maybe it was yesterday. Maybe not.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah,
0: yesterday. Earlier this so, week. And, <laughs> this week. <laughs> there you go. Pre-season training starts this week on Monday, July the 4th. And it is actually somewhat absurd to say that no Spurs supporter ever can have felt this relaxed about the window surely and surely none of us can ever have been so positive and I mean really positive about the action that we've been taking in it at this stage and so with that in mind uh, besides our weekly summer look at what's been going on around the gaff and looking at the week's transfer tittle tattle and action we are going to take a deeper look at transfers which broke our hearts in much the way it seems the already aforementioned Richarlison's has broken many Everton hearts uh bear in mind uh, this is th- that bit of it is going to be one of these it's, we usually have these pre-pod chats right we haven't really talked very much about this transfers that broke our heart stuff so it's going to be an intriguing trip down memory lane i'm really interested to see what the boys have to say i know what i'm going to say i think it's going to be controversial and i think you're really going to want to stick around to check it out because it's going to be a very fluid conversation but we are going to start by looking back, as we always
2: do, at the week that was. And starting off, Eve Pursumer has been cleared of allegations of sexual assault. Sussex Police confirmed on Wednesday that basuma has been released with no further action will be taken. Yes,
0: indeed. Have we mentioned Richarlison yet? Have I already mentioned him twice in the first like two minutes of this pod? <laughs> I think I might have. Um, just in case, let me make it clear. Richarlison de Andrade became our fourth signing of the summer on Thursday, joining us for us for 50 million quid, plus a further 10 million in add-ons joining us from Everton. Uh, It conveniently helps Everton with their financial fair play problems. Um, Hopefully it gives them a pile of cash to then buy, you know, maybe a couple of our surplus players in the coming weeks. Yeah, look, no bones about it. Richarlison is an excellent, excellent signing for this football club. He can cover all three positions, is an experienced Premier League player and has been Everton's best player for a number of seasons. I mean, he is one of those players that, you you know, we always sort of like cringe and and, and hate to play against. So how brilliant we won't have to do that anymore. And I've got to throw this in because it is bizarre. Weird quirk of fate. He was born in the Brazilian state of Espirito Santos and signed for us on the one-year anniversary of our appointing Nuno Espirito Santos. What a difference a year makes, chaps, right?
2: Let's hope he does a bit better than Nuno. Oh, I think that's going to be
0: more than guaranteed, right? I mean, don't you think? Mm. Come on. I mean, what do we think of
2: this guy?
1: I'm impressed with him. I mean, he ticks so many boxes, as you said in the the intro to him there, Steph. I think... um, yeah, he's a bit surly and he misbehaves on the pitch, but, you know, he'd be playing for us now, so we we're not going to worry about that anymore. I'll be honest, I wouldn't think... I mean, going back six months or previous transfer winners, he wasn't someone that ever came into my head that I think, you know, maybe he'd be the person that we want as the kind of all-encompassing support act for the three positions or replacing Kane. And I think some of us might have even thought Dominic Calvert-Lewin might have ticked that box a bit better. But um, the more... No, Steph you don't think that no, one not for me <laughs> think, you no, know okay. my you
0: know my feelings on Calvert-Lewin I think he's overrated so
1: okie Uh well I don't think Richarlison's <laughs> overrated certainly now I've given it a lot of good thought and he does he's just he's just the kind of player we want he fits into the Conte mold completely when he's uh, aggressive he's if he's if you're a defender he's a complete pest and some of the goals I see him score sometimes from his just <sighs> sheer persistence he yeah. really gets after people, and or he he just capitalises on mistakes. And I think he's 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 good or better in a lot of areas in the air finishing. He seems to put mm-hmm. the ball in the net quite well. Um, he scores goals in the air and he he's happy to carry the weight of the team in moments of need yep. and that kind of thing which is which is a really important point which hopefully he'll be able to do for us and i think the other thing is if i'm quite happy if son or kane's not playing and he's starting i'm not really going to be feeling bad about that i think no. i'm quite happy for him to be in that mm. starting 11
2: yeah I mean, he's a big game player isn't he i think if you look at yes. his performance at everton he did well uh, mm. in their big games i know that he loved um Putting it, sticking it to Liverpool, and I think he he got a fair few of his goals last season in their running as well, and uh, you know arguably kept them up. I mean, certainly how he liked to wind up at Liverpool. He's got off to a good start with us there. Yesterday, he uh, on Instagram he put out a picture of him going nose to nose with Bellerin um so he's already trying to wind up the gooners
0: which did actually require a slight looking down at him we must point that out probably <laughs> about he, good a good half a foot at least of looking down but yes
2: but he gets it he gets that <laughs> yes. and yes. you know it, it's not going to take much of that for for our fans to fall in love with him even the ones who weren't certain about it beforehand i think in terms of a signing it's kind of like it's almost like a kind of a, a jota type signing for us i think in that you mm. you're looking at um kind of best performing player at an, uh, you know another club you're picking those up and that's yeah you know, if you look at you know we just talked about basuma basuma was brighton's best player and we you know we've taken that we've now gone to everton and taken their best player and i know everton had a shit season last year but they've got some good players there and we've taken their yeah. best player and this is what proper clubs do this is mm. you know this is kind of serious business i think the other thing with richarlison is i wonder if actually there's also a, a maybe a little bit of succession planning here in that you know mm-hmm. son is enter- entering his 30s and you know maybe two years down the line and this is something we've seen with liverpool and we've discussed last season how we were impressed with how they were getting in their replacements before you know while they had players you know still in their peaks there you know maybe two years down the line son's replacement is already with us and he's had two years to find his feet and improve and you know move on and, and you know we don't have to worry about that then we've got the player there already and we can bring in someone to play underneath him. Yeah, in terms of kind of experienced Premier League players You know, Again, this is something we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, Richarlison has played 173 Premier League appearances. He's going to come straight in. He's going to know the business. He's going to know what he's got to do. That's really important.
0: What I do want to also address is that I've read uh, and I've heard quite a bit of nonsense actually about his attitude. I do think it's really important to put the record straight on this guy's attitude and it requires a little bit of research. I'd encourage all supporters to do it. You need to look at the background he came from. When you talk about football actually being the only thing you have between you and possible Jail, and crime and a life of incredible tragedy he is absolutely the crystal definition of this to the point there is a story which has recently resurfaced about him having a gun held to his head at the age of 14 and having to show the person who was about to shoot him that he was not trying to sell drugs on this guy's patch but that he was actually coming back from playing football the football he held in his in his hands saved his life now bear in mind before that he was running i think five miles a day to go to training because he was working at his grandfather's fields because his home was broken. It was the only place he could go and live for a while. This guy literally did not have a proverbial pot to piss in. He got rejected at least 10 times for trials. This is this. When someone says he has attitude, he has the attitude because he loves this game and it saved his life. And uh, by the way, he's never been a disruption in any dressing room. I think it's cobblers, Uh, you know, what a, what a guy to have in your dressing room,
2: right? On the pitch. He's aggressive. He's um, yes, a you know, constant menace. And yes. but off the pitch, there's no there's no suggestion Nothing. that he that, no. that he's, a, he's a problem at all. He's one of the most popular mm. players in the Everton dressing room, from what I understand. He doesn't yes. like being substituted. Conte's going to love that. Conte wants yeah. players who want to fight for their place even, and who are hungry. Yeah, even the most smileless person in football,
1: a uh, sunny got the hump we've been substituted the other weeks the players just don't want to be doing that i think we just need to put a
0: stop to the false narratives that happen with guys just because they don't fucking run around a football pitch grinning all the time i mean this guy is a winner he wants to win because it's
2: his game he loves the game it saved his life i think i love it i think it is just down to his face He, he looks angry but he's meant to be a pussycat off the pitch and you know, in terms of what he does for um, you know, disadvantaged people in Brazil and elsewhere, he's the most sus player we've got.
0: Women's rights. He's done a lot of, for women's rights in uh, Brazil, like women's rights uh, charities. He's the anti-moral. Yes. Well-
2: He's the anti He
0: is the anti-Mora. I mean, you're absolutely right in that in that political sense. And by the way, did you see the message he sent to the Everton supporters? Yeah,
2: fantastic. I fantastic. mean, look, I,
0: look, this guy is... And, and Conti's... Look, Conti's going to make him a better player. I'm sure of it. I think this guy is... I think this guy's going to be world-class... In, in a couple of years under Conti's tutelage. I really do.
1: The, the thing to add with that, I think people that are obviously closer to him and the situation is Everton and Watford fans, because yeah. you always know your own players. But, and I haven't had any of them say any of this kind of nonsense about him being disruptive, you know, behind the scenes they or wish anything him like well. that. I just, they wish him well. Exactly. They all love him. Yes. I mean, they all love um, him. Yes. So yeah.
2: Out with uh, an Everton sorting mate last night for a couple of drinks and uh, we're talking about it and he's absolutely gutted. And mm. You know, the first thing he said to me is, "I hope he comes back to us when his contract with you ends."
1: I was going to say the other thing to put some respect on his name is we have to remember is this this chap is like the number nine for Brazil. He's not like number nine for Moldova (laughs) or Ecuador or something. Do you imagine like you're saying the country he grew up in? Do you imagine thinking when you're a kid, I'm going to be number nine for this country? I mean, that's a wonderful point. They're the most footballist mad country in the world, and to rise to that position is just amazing. And he's he's played, I think he's played like 30, thirty odd games for them, and he's got and he's got goals there. I think in the World Cup qualifying campaign, he got six goals, and he's a an regular Olympic choice gold.
0: for them. Yeah, an Olympic yeah. gold as top scorer. No, it's a brilliant point, Ricky. Brilliant point.
2: Since he came, since he went to Watford, he's the second highest Brazilian in the top five goal scoring. Uh, Brazilian in the top five European leagues behind Neymar that's the only person who scored more goals than him and I think Neymar's only scored a couple more goals than him in that time
0: yeah. And let me throw one more thing in here then while we're on all this. Just as the, the transfers that happened across the street that everyone said, you know, well, you didn't get Jesus, you were beaten to him. He said, once again, look at what our club needs versus what they needed. They needed a number nine who does the number nine thing. We needed a number nine who can do a couple of other things. And by the way, our number nine, as you pointed out, Ricky, is the Brazil, Brazilian yeah. number nine. And he's, and he's, and you've just given the stat there, there, Milo. I mean, anyone who can doubt this signing give me a second step i'll
2: pull out the actual because yeah, this is figures, worth cause...
0: this is worth it this is worth uh, it we need to was... we need to make sure people understand what a massive signing this is because i don't think the signings actually receive the respect it
2: deserves um, i really um, don't i sent it to my brother shout out rich if you're listening sorry so this is since his debut for everton in 2000 uh, 2018 uh neymar scored 50 goals richarlison scored 43 gabriel jesus scored 38 And then Firmino, thirty-five. William, thirty-four.
0: And let's just and let's think about the supply lines that Jesus has had over Richarlison in the last few years, right? I think Jesus
2: is a decent. I think Jesus is a decent player. I don't want. I don't want to Mm. snack him off. But when I saw when I see Richarlison in a lineup against us, I think fuck, that's going to be a tough afternoon. When I see Jesus in a Man City lineup, I'm relieved
0: yeah because you think I can we know how to set up to play against him whereas with a Charleston yeah. he pops up everywhere he's a complete pest and he yeah. never <laughs> ever stops working yeah. never stops working and by the way I feel absolutely sure that one of the first things you're gonna see this week from the training ground is a picture of Richarlison and uh and uh you know and QD together uh having a good laugh and getting on with it.
1: I, I think, think she'd that be that's holding up be... the shirt and QD comes <laughs> sliding in from the side. <laughs> something like that. And I think we're it... on top of each other and have a cuddle or something I, like. I bet they get on
0: like a house on fire because they both seem pretty, pretty like cheeky cheeky popular guys in the dressing room, you know. But even so... if they
2: don't, I don't think um nah. I don't think a bit of tension is necessarily a bad thing. Mm. You know, the people you work with, you don't have to be best mates with everyone you have to work with. You <laughs> have to re- you have to respect them and yes. understand what they bring to the party. Yeah. And I think Romero is going to look at Richarlison and think, I'm a lot happier with him and my team than on the opposing team. And I think the same will be said the other way, actually. As yeah, well. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, Richarlison will be delighted that he's not going to get his ankles taken out this season, Yeah, but they yeah. don't have to be best mates. They just have to respect each other. That's a fair yeah.
0: point. But I, I I like to think because I'm that sort of like, I'm a lemon, lemon or a guy. I like to think that it's going to be wine and roses, if you will, yeah. lemons, wines and lemons, wine and roses between our, uh, Brazilian Argentinian, uh,
1: no the other thing i was going i'm not quite i mean obviously we don't know how much game time he's going to get but i think it's worth remembering that last year i think he played the copper went straight to the olympics and then played what you could call yeah. quite a stressful mentally stra- uh, draining season with everton so even if he ends up playing 30 games or something this year that might not actually be that bad for him you know what i mean in other words you can't, you can't as we've said in other pods you can't keep churning like you know you can't keep burning the candle
0: He files into these players that I think some, again, fans need to maybe do a little more research on. It's like when Luka Modric first came to us and everyone said, oh, he's too small and weak. Mm. Take a look at what he went through as a human being, as a child. (laughs) Anything in in British football is going to be a cakewalk. And I think Richarlison has seen stuff that, you know, I'm very grateful I will never see in my life and he's fought through it. So Mm. I don't think anything's too much for this guy. I mean, yeah, I, I better stop. The the, the eulogising of him should stop because it's it's I could go on for hours. I'm so excited!
2: I think it's probably worth having a think about kind of where he's going to play because he can play right the way across the front line and and for Everton he has and his stats are pretty good in all all of those positions. Yeah. Um, I mean I think he's predominantly going to be rotating with Sun and with Kane probably a little bit less so and with Deke less so even more is mm-hmm. my reading of it. He is predominantly right footed, so I've had to look at um. Uh, comparing him to Son for instance so Richarlison has scored 48 Premier League goals 11 of those are headers so of the remainder um, 47% of his goals, 23 goals have been with his right foot 27% 13 goals have been with his left whereas Son only 4 goals with his head so 54% of his have been with his right foot 40% have been with his left so Sonny's a lot more Mm two-footed than Richarlison and I also think with decky I think we really saw this with, um, you know, when he came in and replaced Mora. His passing game and his all-round football intelligence made a real difference to us. And that, and I think Richarlison, if he played on the right with Sun on the left and Kane in the middle, we're missing that a bit. And I think, yeah, Richarlison's a really good player. He he can do you know a bit of everything, but I think his main strength is is running and taking on players and being aggressive and pressing. And you'll miss that passing game. So unless we bring in someone who can can bring that do that somewhere else, I'm, I think Sun Kane and and Richarlison isn't a great balance. It will work in some games, but I don't think it's one we'll see too, too often. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, whichever way it works out, he's an incredibly. Uh, useful player to have who can take up at least two of those front positions, and one a mm. signing! Again, uh, I think we would all agree.
2: One, one last thing, actually, on him. One last thing on him. He does really give us an option of playing two up top. So I think him playing alongside Absolutely. Kane or him playing alongside Sun with a five man midfield, and maybe Deke is that mm, yeah. the most advanced of a three man midfield. Uh, yeah, could work. And again, again, mm. against some teams, that's a nice option to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, and look, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's very much a case of being able to maintain complete par with a with a top class starting eleven in the seventieth minute or the sixty fifth minute. Yeah. You lose nothing by well, yeah. I mean, look, Sonny's world class. Yeah, I yeah. think McCharlison is approaching that class, and I think you. But again, that to be able to lose yeah. nothing from bench I mean, and 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 this is a wider perspective isn't it football is no longer a, a first 11 game it really isn't and with five subs it's not going to be
2: imagine starting with richarlison you know you you've been away yes. in in the champions league you've got yeah. but you've got a tough away game on a sunday you start with richarlison and then on 17 minutes, you bring in Son once Richarlison has run someone ragged and, and mm-hmm. pressed mm-hmm. them into the ground. I mean, what mm-hmm. what an option to have. All the other way around. Richarlison's yeah. goal-scoring stats when he comes on as a, sub, as a sub are really good. I mean, it yeah, didn't like, happen too often at Everton because he's their best player who was their best player but they're really good it's great having uh, these options. I,
0: it, yeah it's brilliant and it is a it, it's a great signing and once again um I hope that uh, the games about glory has been able to not just allay fears uh, about any fears that someone might have about him coming but has been able to hopefully offer you the definitive statement as to why this is a truly definitive signing for our football club
2: we've signed 17 year old Tyrell Ashcroft <laughs> from Reading Terrell can play right back or right midfield and spent the majority of last season playing in Reading's under-23s. He made his full debut Reading away to Millwall at right midfield competing 90 minutes he also played 90 minutes away to West Brom at right midfield before playing in the home games against Luton and Derby at right back he turns 18 later this month and will join up with the development squad the club have also confirmed the signing of young Irish keeper Josh Keeley who we announced a few weeks ago Josh will also be joining up with the development squad
0: excellent uh, to see the good work continues in the background as well building uh, building future foundations
2: mm. and uh, another thing that has
0: happened in N17 Son Young Min became the second Spurs legend to be immortalised on the walls of North London when Nasher murals painted him doing his goal celebration last week. Uh, we believe that this mural is only temporary, so it you'll need to hot-foot it. What's up?
2: It is only temporary. It's going to be painted over. Really? Yeah, well,
0: yeah. How did you learn that? This is this is breaking news to me, folks.
2: From the artist, he's only got the wall for a little bit of time.
0: Maybe we should start a, a, a Twitter campaign to keep the mural up. Save, save Sonny's Maybe wall. Maybe we should spithead yeah. save save Sonny's wall. Yeah, this because it is it's brilliant. We need it's more great. of this cut, sort of stuff, you know. But, yeah. Well, anyway, regardless, you got hot footed to Tottenham soon if you want to see it, and if you want to join us in starting a campaign, why don't you send us a tweet? Uh, to our uh, Twitter account, or send us a message to any of our social media accounts, and we'll see if we can not all get together and whip one together. It's worth it, isn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah
2: so. <laughs> National Murals um, tweeted I think yesterday. He was really touched by kind of the response to the mural, mm. and uh, it, a lot of people had contacted him on Twitter saying how much they loved it and stuff. And I think he said that his kid is a huge Sunny fan, which is why he'd done it. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I think it's I think it's in Stanley Road, which is.
1: I think that's where you turn right off the high road where the Beehive is, basically, the pub, Mm. which is a popular Tottenham pub. Most people probably know that.
0: Yeah. And given your absolutely spot on uh, geographic knowledge, which has been displayed often on this pod, Ricky, I am going to say that that is the definitive mention. So, folks, you've heard it there.
2: (laughs) Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett are European champions. England came from behind to beat Israel 3-1 in extra time on Friday night. Alfie Divine took the corner that resulted in England's equaliser. Both Alfie Divine and Dane started the game. Divine coming off after 85 minutes, and Scarlett on 105 minutes. Ricky, you watched the final. What did you think? Yeah. What did I think?
1: It was a bit of a weird one, this, because in recent years, like England have undoubtedly done really well at youth level. And one thing I've always been impressed with is how they've handled the games, including big games. And that really wasn't the case here, to be honest. I think um, it, Israel were decent, and they definitely. Made it hard for us. We couldn't play out. We got and, and we got no service whatsoever to our two boys, Divine or Scarlett, to work on. So it was really hard for us to get a foothold in the game. And that's on the basis, I think, that I think everyone very much, Israel, were the underdogs for this one, weren't they? I think mm-hmm. that was much talked about beforehand. But I suppose the good thing is they didn't win. So at least we came through mentally, strength-wise. And in extra time, I think it was maybe we've got more resources on the bench or we just have more energy in the end, they run out of steam a bit. I mean, they had some impressive... They, I thought Israel just looked more mature than us in their yeah, approach to the game and the control of it, I think,
2: which surprised me, as I say. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few younger players in that England team this obviously Devine is, um, you know eligible yeah, for... Yeah, a lot yeah, below se- their age. Se- rate, se- yeah. several, several age groups yeah. below that. I, I do wonder how much the wind was a factor, because I thought... Yeah. Israel were great in the first half. I thought England were a lot came into it a lot more in the second half and were the better yeah. team in extra time. Yeah. Um, I think the, the conditions were probably a factor. Israel gave us a tough game kind of the week before, although I think England were the better team in that one. They gave us a, a, a tough, a tough game then as well. England won the same tournament in 2017, mm. and in that team that won five years ago, Aaron Ramsdale, Reece James, Mason Mount, Ryan Sessegnon, and then. Now, Chile international Ben beraton Diaz, and now mm-hmm. Germany international Lucas and and Checker. Yeah. So, this has got a, a tournament with a good record of um, you know Training seeing on, players basically. come through. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: um, it, it would be great if, in five years' time, we're seeing Divine and Scarlet mm-hmm. in kind of you know similar circumstances to some of those players. He looks great for his age, Divine. I think he's
1: physically yeah, he already there and that kind of thing. Yeah, he does.
0: Quick question to throw to both of you. Again, I, I mentioned something about this briefly. I can't remember if it was off pod or not. But uh, do you think that um, either Divine or Scarlet are going to make the cut for the squad this year, simply based on the numbers? Or, well, no, that doesn't matter, does it? Because they're two, they'll be under twenty-one anyway. So
2: it, do, it does matter with Divine because he hasn't had two years at the club, mm. so he doesn't qualify it's for confirmed. Europe. So yeah. if he stayed with us, he's going to be restricted to domestic competitions and youth football. So there's a bit of a dilemma with him. I think. I think the noise is coming out of the club is that he's going to go out on loan. Yeah. Um, but that means that he can't be, he won't qualify as a club trained player for European competitions. Um, mm. but, but, so you've got to weigh up, you know, what's best for his development. He, you know, he's mm. clearly years ahead of his age group, and you know, if we keep him at the club, he sits on the bench. Yeah, might get a few minutes in the in the mm. League Cup and the FA mm. early rounds of the FA Cup, but other than that, he's playing under twenty three s football, or he goes out to League One or Championship and gets thirty games under his belt. Mm. I, I mean, I, you know, I think whilst it would be great if he's a club trained player for Europe. I think it's probably better for his development that he's playing competitive football.
1: Do they have to give? The, do they have to do that two years before a certain age then, or does it have to be? Do the two years? Is it two years in a row they have to do? In other words, could he go out for a year and then come back and kind of complete that two years? Um, do you know? What, I'm after? not
2: certain. I'm not certain on that actually,
1: because he's young, isn't he?
2: So he's not going to be even. Um, he's 18 this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So he was the youngest player in the England squad for the mm. for the tournament. But that's good
1: news, as you say. The amount of them that have trained on to become top level players in top leagues—that's really good strike rate, really. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and once again, I'd like to note um, the game is about Glory's stellar and consistent coverage of the England under-19s tournament. Uh, Yeah, because I've
1: I've watched none of the adult stuff at all, as in uh, (laughs) grown-up Southgate. Uh, People were comparing the performance at some points to a Southgate performance, which I took to mean that. It's been a fair. bit sterile recently. I don't know. I haven't watched any of that. You, I you, Steph on that nation's league. That's just a, that's a no-no I think it's unfair there.
0: to judge anything on that. I just think it's rubbish. Yeah, exactly.
2: But this most, but also, I, I mean, I think it's unfair judging youth players on on that. But you know, by the same criteria, I, I, I think firstly, I think England have been pretty good. They've, you know, they've scored a lot of goals. They've, you know, this game was the first time they've conceded a goal in open play or tournament. And that's not because they were sitting back and being right. ultra defensive. I think yeah. you know they, they 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 score plenty of goals, but also for youth players, it's about experience as much as anything. Yeah. And you know England could have gone to this tournament and got knocked out in the mm. group stage. But if the players developed as a result of it, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it's, you know, it's great that they've got, they've got this experience, and you know the players yeah. look made up in the photos afterwards. They so, didn't they? Yeah, uh, it's really good. It's really good.
0: So Gianni Vio may not be the name on all of your lips, but rest assured, out uh, of a little research, uh, this set-piece expert is proving himself to be the Mr. Wolf, for those of you who are fans of Pulp Fiction, uh, of football. A set-piece expert that is coming to our coaching staff, apparently, um, with Antonio Conti's uh, explicit invitation. Vio was part of the staff that saw Italy win Euro 2020 where he reportedly developed four thousand eight hundred and thirty different routines for Italy to utilise from free kicks and corners. Just, just think about that for a minute. That's absolutely absurd. I mean, that's such an enormous statistic. Yeah, I, I, I swear. Look, did any of you know of him before he was linked to us? No. Again, the Mr. Wolf. He comes into clubs with thousands of routines, does his bit, right, Uh, Milo for a year and then leaves because he's worked with AC Milan, Leeds, Brentford, Fiorentina. He's an ex-banker. He partnered with a psychologist in 2014 called Alessandra Tatamanzi to co-author a book they titled That Extra 30%. And uh, I'm assuming that didn't refer to his banking career. I'm assuming it referred to his current career (laughs) as as to where set pieces can bring you on a football pitch. Uh, Well, actually, I say that it's exactly what it was because he was quoted as saying, that's how much set pieces can improve a team's goal tally it's like having another striker you know first of all let's differentiate the difference of people between set pieces and being able to lump a good corner in right who wants to pick that one up because it is an important differential
2: yeah i mean i think i think we're at a stage now where paratige came came in and you know since Conte came in we're seeing a kind of professionalization of the club and we we it feels to me that over the last year we've kind of moved on from being a family business to a kind of multinational <laughs> and you know you see the similar thing with kind of you know Steinson, Scalding and Simon Davis coming in to support um, Paratici in the work that he does and you know, bringing in uh, bringing in VO is about kind of marginal improvements you know it's about you know we we see a lot of clubs, you know, particularly big clubs in the, in the Premier League, doing this kind of stuff. Um, you yeah, know, Liverpool have got you know a specialist throwing coach, and again, we were talking just before we came on about uh, Trent Alexander Arnold's uh, throwing technique at the moment. Where did he... you
0: just refer to the Italian version, Trent Alessandro Arnold? <laughs> That's what he said. Like he said,
2: uh, if that works, yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, it, when he's throwing at the moment he puts one hand behind the ball the the second hand is on the side of it as a guiding hand and he's it, all of the force is coming from the back hand i think it's oh, i think as i was saying to you i think it's probably not in the spirit of the the rules but is, is within the rules and you know, gives you a massive advantage yeah the, these kind of small differences can make a huge huge difference overall you know if you look at kind of the stats he's had at the clubs he's been at so brentford uh, the season before he was in they scored 10 goals from set pieces the season he was there 15 16 they scored 15 uh, AC Milan and Leeds he didn't have quite the same impact Fiorentina this might be a real anom- anomaly but two goals the season before he joined 22 goals from the season he was with <laughs> them um, and then more recently uh, Spell 2013 say so 11 goals from set pieces in 17-18 the season he was with them 13 goals uh, in 18-19 so he he has had a kind of in some clubs he's had quite a big you know impact in terms of um, the goals Italy scored uh, you know a fair few goals you know a lot of goals from set pieces during the euros but also i think you know if you look at something like throw ins where it doesn't you're not likely to score a goal directly from a throw in too often but it can be the the move before the move that leads to the goal and yeah i think too often at spurs we've seen us kind of take a long time over a throw in allow the other team to get set you know whoever's closest to the wall picks right. it up holds it in their hands thinks about it throws it to the full back and then the throw, full back throws it back to someone just inside yeah
0: you'll assume that he's going to have a set amount of situational plays that's like do
2: this even if we You've just do this, this 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 and, this. and yeah. just just one last thing and i know again this is we're really heading into kind of cliche talk here but around kind of cane and free kicks I think bringing in a specialist set piece coach might... To say us, that Harry
0: Kane should never take a free kick again is a fine move.
2: <laughs> it, it might be that he's the right person to take them, yeah. but it might be different free kicks to he takes now. Yeah. So, I you agree know, with that. direct free kicks in most cases don't create very good goal-scoring opportunities. Mm. Indirect free kicks, better. So I think we might see more variety if Kane's on them then, you know, we might see something different to what we've seen before, which is, you know, kind of over the wall and not quite dipping as much as we need and what have you. But also he might have the authority to tell Harry Kane that actually, I don't know, Eric Dyer's on this one or Sonny's on this one or Kulusevsky's on this one or, you know, whoever. And I think, you know, Kane's a lot more likely to listen to that, I think.
1: Yeah, just picking up on what Milo was saying about, the let's say, the throw-ins or goal kicks or let's say the non-dangerous free kicks, I think it might be interesting to see how that... Um, once again, it's, 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 it almost feeds into like the automations that Conte Mm -hmm. wants to do. In other words, it's almost the first steps to them. As you say, if we play quickly, we do this, this and this. And it's just another, it's another bank of things that is just all can be programmed into the head. And Conte might see that and he might say, well, I haven't got time to do that myself, but I know a man that does kind of thing. So I'll bring someone in like that and it might. Yeah. It, as I say, it, I think it could just feed into that. But the other point I was going to make was, um it does fascinate me, this, because t- I, t- I truly believe that set pieces, no, I truly believe that set pieces are a massively sort of untapped or undiscovered aspect of the game. And there's not yeah, many of them I left, agree. to be honest. Everything else, and, and people say maybe it's because the football flows too much and stuff like that, but at the point of the game stopping and restarting on a whistle, it's not flowing, isn't it? It's no different than any other game. Do you like the... um all the X's and O's in NFL and all the mm. set plays you have in rugby union and that kind of I, thing. I
0: tell you one thing that intrigues me, and this is where I'm interested to see what VO will do, is that surely now that we've got this trend of a player lying on the floor behind the wall, you've got one mm. less player actually actively on their, you know, on their active yeah. legs, if you will, to to mark. So surely there's a position somewhere. That someone can take advantage of, and you would think that out of four thousand eight hundred and thirty different routines, <laughs> we're going to be able to find a couple that can take advantage of something like that,
2: right? I don't know if you read the Athletic piece on him that was around um, that I shared with you uh, from around the time of the Euros, where they they talked a lot there. So he, basically, he put players into an offside position to. Mm. Um, kind of disorientate yeah. teams and then kind of move them so he, mm. he he has a lot of decoys and things like this in order to try and uh yeah. confuse
0: i have visions of like 4453 being like three players around the ball one does like a run across it to the right another does a skip to the left and then the one that you think he's going to shoot jumps over it and the one that first yeah. ran to the right comes around and larraps it to the left <laughs>
1: But it is, it is, it that that is so NFL playbook, isn't it? They yes. have all those kind of plays, yes. and a lot of plays in NFL are misdirection. It's like play action. Yeah. In other words, you're trying to send people and you 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 trick people. Yeah. And I suppose games where the ball is controlled by the hand is more reliable because you know you're a bit looser with your feet sometimes. But I'm sure there's mileage in it. And it seems bizarre that the game is so old, and all we do quite often is just lump a corner in. I'm not us. Yeah. I and- mean, just generally, just generally in football. You know what I
2: mean? It's so uncreative. have you heard the walter zenga quote about him no so he says a 20 goal a season player can get injured he can get suspended but there are set pieces in every game always Mm. and he knows how to exploit them best he's very skilled at it he manages to get players scoring who otherwise wouldn't score Jesus Christ. I mean, let's be honest.
0: This first like these first like 15-20 minutes of the pod, we're gonna win the league, right? We've got <laughs> we've got a player that we're all so delighted about we can contain ourselves. We've got the future of, of, of British football and, and we've, we've now got, got like,
1: And we've got a player that doesn't actually physically exist that's going to score 15 goals. (laughs) That's
0: incredible. It's incredible. And we've also managed to show the world that, you know, you have to integrate modern, you know, the modern ideas of other sports. But
2: I think the thing to think about this is it's not going to be about scoring, you know, 15 direct free kicks a season. Because most teams score one or two direct free kicks a season. They're not very productive. And, you know, actually, I mean, funnily enough, in in our Lineup of shows, you know, for this summer, I did have one around set pieces, and you know, to look at, talk, you know, our our figures and comparing them to others, and that seems redundant now because we need to look at what this guy brings to us, and then maybe actually later in the season, it's worth looking at what we've done the season gone, and then what happens next season. Yeah, yeah, I think the the problem with set pieces a lot is that. People focus on the wrong ones. So direct free kicks, everyone thinks it's a, it's a great chance. They're not, not many, you know, even Ericsson when he was with us didn't score that many, you know, corners. They don't, you know, you don't get many goals from corners. Now that's not to say that we shouldn't have routines for them. We shouldn't have variety there. We shouldn't be able to mix it up, but you know, there's other stuff that you can do where I think we'll probably see more goals from.
0: Well, it's very possible. Yeah, just to interrupt there, it's very possible that, and you've talked about this before, about the fact that set pieces also uh, include your defensive set pieces. It's very possible he will actually Mm. develop new ways to turn defensive set pieces into attacking opportunities because how many goals are scored uh, can be scored potentially on breakaways and maybe he's going to set us up slightly differently to take full advantage,
2: you know? Particularly from corners. I think your chance of the defending team scoring from a corner is, is... Comparable in, in in numbers to the attacking team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, just looking at figures last season, so we scored eight goals from set pieces last season, which was 15th in the Premier League. Mm. Man City scored 21, Liverpool was second with 19. Last season, we conceded 10 goals from set pieces. Mm. And, you know, we again, we were talking uh, before we came on about, you know, the Southampton game and some oh. walls. We had that kind of dodgy yeah. run, didn't yeah. we, around yeah, those uh, two early in could- the new year. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a lot better at defending them afterwards. And Conte had obviously worked on that. And Romero, in particular, who was at fault for some of those, had improved improved his game. But I'm I'm sure that bringing in a set piece coach is going to improve our defensive side of the game as well.
1: Yeah, because I think you'd assume that he's going to have that kind of filter. He's going to have that filter where he's he's he knows what traits he needs in certain aspects of different kind of set pieces. And some of it might surprise some of the other coaches. He might just say, like Ben Davis is great at that. Or I know he's mm. really consistent at that, and that kind of just, just, and that's, and as I say, I doubt, I doubt Conte's got the time to really go to those depths no. sometimes. So he's he he
2: building it, a team of experts. He might be able way. to
1: do a lot of this as well, yeah. like when players have got spare time on screen stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just say so, that kind of thing.
2: I think that's one of the things. Say so what I've been reading about Vio since, um, since the link was made earlier earlier this week is that he designs routines. Although he's got this kind of, yeah. you know nigh on 5000 different routines that he's designed he tweaks them based on the players that are available Mm. so he will look at our squad he will look at their strengths and weaknesses and then he will say well hang on what we've got here is you know this person can bend a ball like this Mm. this person can make this run this person can you know what have you and he'll tweak them based on that yeah so we're going to see variety we're going to see different people you know than we used to taking set pieces or making runs he's been meant to be particularly good at getting people who don't score from set pieces scoring from set pieces this is gonna be good
0: it's it's a great move and i'd like our listeners once again to you know i'll return to the uh, to the pun we made at the beginning but it's a nice image to, to close this section out on um you know just imagine you know how do we get around botman Bring Vo in the Mister Wolf of set pieces. Uh, yep, set piece number three thousand six hundred and ninety-five. We have various tactics to get around a botman-led defense. As lo- you know, I mean, you can see it all, can't you? Thank you very much. Off you go. And apparently, he only sticks around for a year or so, right? Yeah. So he'll be know, off you to you help you somebody else.
2: <laughs> as long as we recognise that this is a position we need, someone coming in with new ideas after a season or so, yes, would be really good. Um, but, you know, because obviously after a while people will get used to our plays. so mm. you know you need that variety. Will he wear a
0: tux? That's all I want to know. <laughs> will he wear a suit? That's what I'd like to know. He's got to wear a suit. But anyway, uh, enough of that. I, I just, I'm just obsessed with that image. So move Grant. us on, please.
2: <laughs> Supporters Trust co-chairs Cat Law and Martin Cloak and Treasurer Adam Bailey will be stepping down from their posts at the Trust Board meeting on 14th of July. Cat and Martin have been in post for nearly a decade and the last few years must have been very difficult, first with COVID and then last year with the Super League announcement. Added to that, they often get a hard time online from fans who expect them to represent their personal views or promote their particular cause. We'd like to thank Kat, Martin and Adam for all their hard work representing us and we hope that they can enjoy their football as ordinary fans again.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, I echo those words and I'm sure you do as well, Ricky. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree with that. I think... think they had the burden of hold well I'll call it a burden of holding that position during the kind of whole rise of social media time yeah and i think that probably that takes its toll on anyone i think when you're oh, yes. thinking about enjoyment of the, your job and the role you're doing and plus obviously like, they're doing it for nothing so
2: yeah i, I, I agree you know I've, I've seen this where people kind of they get parlance on them and then people get arsy because they don't respond to each tweet they get in you know in yeah. in, in, in person i know kind of last season when the trust called out some of the songs that our fans were singing up at Anfield. People were trawling through Cat's tweets from a decade or so ago and then calling her up on stuff. And mm-hmm. basically, that's shit people can do without when all they're doing is putting themselves forward to try and stand up for us and try and try and help you know help fans. You might not agree with everything they do, but their hearts in it and they're, they're, they're you know yeah they're, yeah they're, I mean they're trying look- to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we could probably do several podcasts on the evils of social media and what it's uh, what it's done to society. And uh, I love social media,
2: Steph. That. I'm not getting on this hobby horse with you. Well, that'd
0: be a good point then, wouldn't
2: it? Well, I love social
0: media as well, but there's no doubt that it's been abused. <laughs> well, and, no, but
2: I mean, there's wankers in every walk of life, aren't there, basically? And, and, well, uh, well none know. of this
0: is going to be, let's move on, let's move on. <laughs> I agree. No, no, I agree with you. I'm trying to save you, I'm trying to save you a discussion because I could definitely get into it and I completely agree. I mean, I'm well into it myself, but uh, again, like all tools, It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. And anyone sitting around trawling through,
2: it's definitely the tools that are the problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it
0: is the tools that are the problem. Because if you're sitting (laughs) there trawling through some hardworking volunteer's uh, Twitter account to try and trip them up on something, then you are indeed, as you just said, uh, mate, a tool. Um, Anyway, we finally have more details on Spurs Play, which is the online streaming service that the club are launching uh, this week. It actually launches on Tuesday July 5th which depending on when the edit gets out will be today (laughs) tomorrow at some yesterday. point but he's <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yesterday all my trouble seems anyway. uh, so Tuesday July 5th it will cost you the princely sum of 45 quid per year or 35 quid for season ticket holders and members Um, for that you will get live men's preseason friendlies home under 18s and under 21 matches select under 21 away games and additional women's matches you also get and this is really good full match replays from every fixture that's a big deal documentaries and brand new original series uh, by the way they are trailering one on antonio conti which looks like it's going to be an absolute corker and archive footage celebrating our history so fear not you will not have to go through youtube to watch the lucas mora 3 ninety five plus plus one Ajax moment any further it will be part of some archive footage celebrating our history i don't know boys this sounds like a really really good thing and, and long overdue and i'm glad they're doing it and uh i'm, I'm signing up
1: right yeah plus one Tap yeah, my card, thirty five quid. Definitely. Yeah, me or uh, too. the only thing I hope is that um, the tech side of it, the web player and all that, is smooth and you know those kind of things. I hate anything that's a bit clunky, but it shouldn't be. I think you can even Chromecast it or Apple, to, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to your telly and that kind of thing, so, which is
0: fantastic, especially yeah. when it comes to full match replays. I mean, as yeah. as, as much as we all are, uh, as much as we're all dedicated and get to as many games as we can and whatever, it's always nice to be able to review them. Uh, and, we, and we should be doing that. It's a good
2: service. <laughs> it will make doing this pod a lot easier when I want to re-watch a game. Yes. Yeah. I think this is long, long overdue. Last season or well, and the season before, watching our, away, our under-21s away games, or under twenty three, sorry, away games um, on other clubs' services and thinking, why yeah. the hell haven't we got this? is really frustrating. So, um, yeah. And 35 quid is a, an absolute... Still, you know that's a month yeah. of sky, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you have to say their extra programming on on, on the YouTube channel is, is already pretty entertaining. They get some pretty good stuff. Yeah. I mean, they've yeah. really stepped up their game in terms of the uh, the, the the caliber of uh, material and in interview snippets they get and access they get. So, I'm really excited. I'm I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. And again, the Antonio Conti doc looks like it's going to
2: be really good. Premiering on Tuesday, isn't it? So that's on. Yes, that's it is. I think today. it's the yeah.
0: kickoff. Yeah, it's yeah, the kickoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it I mean, uh, it does actually, it's going to sit right up there for my summer viewing, my summer football viewing with the launch of All or
2: Nothing. Well, you've got another <laughs> month to wait for that, Steph. So. Yeah. <laughs> but if you like All or Nothing, Steph, and you're still uh, absolutely pumped about Richarlison, there is a Brazil All or Nothing. From mm. a few years ago, which Richardson features I. in quite. Don't oh, blimey! Is it really great? Yeah, oh, watch which, that! Richardson features in quite heavily and oh. comes across as an absolute sweetheart. So excellent! Um,
0: I'm in. I'm in. Thank you. I'm in. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, that was the week that was. And my word, we've we've taken some time to discuss it, but it's all exciting. We're so, we're, we're just excited. What a great time this is to be a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. Uh, which brings us to the transfer rumor roundup uh, and more excitement. Clement Langley. It looks like that's a loan deal that is very close to happening. Um, I think someone might be giggling at my, my uh, butchered pronunciation. Well, I just wonder whether you're going to get your phone out
2: and get Clement Langley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. We we did try very hard to make sure that I could say this properly. Um, and I, we came up yeah, anyway, you've heard the joke. <laughs> So, yeah, so Clement Langley. <laughs> I'm
2: going to buy us? you one of those odd just... speaking spells. Used <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Maybe I, you I one should of be forced to do... say
0: his name like that for the rest <laughs> of the pod. Yeah, Clement Langley is joining us. But he's anyway, he's joining us on loan from Barcelona is basically the word. Um, he can cover both left centre-back and central centre-back positions. He's a good passer. He's had a tough uh, couple of years at Barcelona after being one of the most sought-after centre-backs in Europe when he was at Sevilla. I, look, I mean, I think a few players have had a tough couple of years at Barcelona right now, so I'm not gonna to read too much into that. Very quickly, chaps, what do you think? Good deal, bad deal, cool deal. We trust Paratici.
1: Um I'm yeah, I'm reasonably happy if he comes in. It seems like he was a bit he was he was down the list, but if it's a loan deal, it de risks it, so and as you say, so people do turn the corner and they certainly look like they turn the corner under Conte, so yeah. You know, let's not you know let's get too upset about it. He's a French international as well, so he must
2: be reasonably decent. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, you know, if Bastoni or Guardiola aren't available, which are our first choice, bringing someone on loan and saving that money for next summer or you know January uh, makes sense. Yeah, it's probably better doing that than chucking kind of similar sum, sum on, say, Pau Torres. Then you would pay for Bastoni and then not having the money for Bastoni next summer. You know, he's a good passer, comfortable carrying the ball out of defence. Kind of the negative. Lacks a bit of pace at Barcelona, shown, you know, kind of poor spatial awareness and lunged in a bit, given away quite a few penalties there. But, you know, you kinda of wonder whether playing in the back three and with, you know, a manager like Conte might kind of offset some of those problems a bit. I think the other thing with him is he probably doesn't start the season as First choice, you know, he can play those two positions, but you, I, I think probably that Davis and Dyer would start the season as first choice um, if just he, 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 him is coming in and it gives him the luxury of finding his feet and being coached into it and then being introduced, you know, more softly. So, and if it works out, great, because we've got a French international, the talked about buyout clauses are quite low. So, you know, if it works out, it's great. If it does not, then we've got backup and he goes back to Barcelona next summer.
0: Yeah, it's a good deal. Anthony Gordon uh, is a name that's popped up. uh, Popped up. First of all, as part of a double swoop. uh, It's proper transfer window talk. That is, isn't it boys Uh, for Richarlison? um, There was talk of the two of them being packaged up and, you know, there's all sorts of things that we're trying to get done with Everton and, a lot of this starts also with, De- with the Delhi Alley deal of which uh, 10 million uh, will be due from Everton to us once Delhi trips the 20 appearance mark that that does factor into all of this you know it's since died down because I think that you know selling two fan favorites in one window it, 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 I think it's too much for Everton to be honest but you know again this rumor has resurfaced again hasn't it today uh, you know is it, it doesn't seem to be dying uh, so it's one to keep an eye on maybe for later in the summer or even for January mm. if it's not going so well it seems like it could could be yeah, you know, fluffing the pillow, if you will, for January. Uh, what do we think of Gordon? I
2: like I like him. Yeah, I really like him as well. I think um I think his player we said we liked after our games with him last season. I wonder whether I I say I, again I think I said to this to you guys earlier this season. Certainly, when the links happened um, earlier last week, I wonder whether um, he's actually an option at wing back rather than as, a, as an inside forward. Um, but he's a really, really good player. Mm. I, I think probably what happens is that we've said to Everton we're interested. If they, if their money problems continue, then maybe it's one we re- revisit later in the window. Mm. Uh, we're in the position at the moment where you know if Langley Langley comes in, then and Spencer comes Langley. in. <laughs> And Spence comes in, then the only position of our priority positions left to be filled is another centre back. So we're in a really great position um where we can pretty much move players on and then just be opportunistic for the rest of the window. And I wonder whether whether Gordon might be one that if Everton need to sell to buy or, you know, the sale doesn't go through or what have you, that is one we go back to.
1: I would um, personally. I mean, if, if Gordon was available and the price was right, I would I would buy him now, even if that means he has to arrive for us to work out what to do with him. I just wouldn't yeah. really want to miss the opportunity, really. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some options there. Well, it might not cost that much if they yeah. wanted Winks or, or, you know, uh, rolling up the deli deal in one way or another as well. So, But I think you're right. It's probably hard for them to stomach getting rid of another fan-favorite local lad kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Everton had quite a bad season last season, so they don't want to.
2: Yeah, they don't want to get too depressed. But having said that,
1: finance tr- trumps everything, doesn't it? If you're in a bit of a stuck, you never know.
2: Yep. According to Early Gold, he's open to moving to us. He'd like to play for Conte. He'd like to play in the Champions League, but he's not going to push it.
0: Yeah, which is fair enough. And so yeah. this is one to keep an eye on. It seems to have legs, and with the relations being as good as they appear to be between ourselves and Everton um you know we did mention that ken Wright levy uh dinner apparently they apparently they do this you know on, i don't know about a regular basis but they do meet up and, mm. and have a meal once in a while so they get on so yeah let's keep an eye and let's also keep an eye on emerson royale uh it says burgeoning cult hero i'm gonna get rid of the burgeoning cult hero emerson royale was linked with a move to atletico madrid in the last week uh, the potential arrival of Jed Spence, which, by the way, does, uh, you know, there's been a, a little bit of haggling over that deal, but we all uh, believe that this is going to happen with Jed Spence that he's going to come in. But it's seemingly imminent. Uh, you know, maybe Royal finds himself as third choice and like Sergio Reggion's surplus to requirements. Royal Stock is still high in Spain after a successful loan at Real Betis. Before joining us, um, I'm going to put my 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 head on the chopping block here and say he is not going anywhere, in my opinion. Uh, at least uh, not in the first half of this season. Maybe in January if it's not working out. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, am I just being a romantic, guys? I mean, is it something that you know it makes sense?
2: I think we've got to shift some players, and the risk is is that he won't make. The Champions League squad. I think he probably he wouldn't make the Champions League squad because of um, the restrictions on foreign players and what have you. So I I like Royal. I'd I'd be very happy to see him at the club next season. But um, I think it may well be it might, may well be a sale we need to make. Yeah, it might be a numbers game, as you say, Milo. I think if we've got if we do have to, and
1: like we said before, it's uh I mean it's, selling players is obviously quite tricky. There's not that many people in the room with big wheelbarrow of money so it just depends who steps forward really but um, I kind of agree with Steph that I do like Royale and it's not just the kind of burgeoning kind of cult hero status it is He has these limitations. We know that when he goes forward. But I think he's actually not too bad. Because in a wing-back situation, if you think about it, there's two types of attacking, isn't there? There's delivering it, attacking, and there's arriving on something that's come from the other side. And I don't think he's maybe that bad at that part of it. I think it's just he looks a bit awkward in his flow when it comes to the attacking side of wing-back play.
2: He was certainly a lot better once Conte got him cutting inside rather than staying yeah, wide yeah. that's true as well um, yeah. so that once he got him playing similar to actually how he got Doherty playing last season he, there was definitely an improvement and you know he's 23 so uh, yeah. there's more to come from him and, and um, his enthusiasm is is infectious and you know if he does leave he's certainly a player that I'll be kind of keeping an eye on Yeah, you know when he moves on and um, yeah He won't have
0: to, not for at least until Christmas. You can watch him in N17 and see what he's doing via social media and weekly video outputs uh, from from there, mate. I I can guarantee you of that.
2: If he stays, Steph, he'll have his own show on Spurs play because (laughs) he's not be be registered in the squad. um,
0: He will, uh, yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. him and Richarlison. My word, they'll have some fun together, won't they?
2: He did tweet out a um, a welcome to Richarlison, <laughs> yes, which was saying about how um, about the Brazilian boys in in London and how he yeah. was playing with him.
0: There is a, there is a subtext. There is a great subtext to all this. The last time there were this many Brazilians in North London, they were across the road, weren't they? And they ended up having a period of uh, what we would hate to admit,
2: uh, quite
0: quite high level of success with that. And uh, maybe that maybe that maybe it's maybe it's come full circle. The other way,
2: Ricky. Didn't you say that Atletico are short on money at the moment and and struggling with FFP?
1: Yeah, it's the wage. They're not short. They're not short of money. They're just they're well over the top on their wage budget. They they spend an absolute fortune. They've got quite a skinny squad, but they pay quite a lot of their players a lot of money. So they're and I think they've signed Witzel, and he can't mm, even yeah. join yeah, them because, because they've, got the no the, they've got no room on they've got no room on the wages. That's maybe why they talked about um, Joe Felix. That kind yeah, because yeah. they paying him a fortune. Uh, was, I mean, I, like, that
2: was ludicrous. Rumor really, there. I mean, I wasn't it really? But uh, so, I mean, from that point of view, though, with Royale, that probably means that you wouldn't see Atletico move for him until the end of the summer.
1: Yeah, I think Suarez is going anyway. So that's quite a. Yeah. He's out of contracts. There's a bit, and then Griezmann. I think they've got they've got an obligation to buy him, but <laughs> they can also extend his current loan for another year if they want. There's a man right. who
0: knows how to get. There's a man. There's a man who knows how to get paid. My word!
1: Well, that's something. they're that, between what a, a rock contract. and a hard place with, play with Griezmann because they can't really afford to buy him. But then they, if they keep him for another year on a loan, they've then got to pay. I think Griezmann's on free, free dollars a week. I think. Yeah, it's at least four
0: hundred. It's something insane. As I say a man who knows something how insane, to insane. Yeah. But <laughs> but let's go to transfers. That anyway. Uh, beep, 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 beep. Sorry, hang on. What's that, Eric? Sorry, we we didn't mention that you were hanging out with Jan again this week. Yep. Okay, Eric, yeah. we'll mention it. Okay, so, so, okay. cheers, mate, bye. Sorry, that was Eric Dyer reminding us that we nearly forgot his weekly update here and that he was actually seen at the end of his summer holidays here hanging out with Jan Vertongen again and talking about him never breaking a sweat. Um, There's a recent uh, post of the two of them together once more. Um, Eric is still keeping busy. We made an obligation to report on his uh, stuff, and so there you have it.
2: Breaking transfer stuff or stuff we didn't put in the list rather, nor were these are breaking. Some of them have been around all week. Um, Steph, have you got your pr- pronunciation talk <laughs> there? Because I'm going to absolutely murder this one. Uh, Piero Piero <laughs> Hincapi.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think it's Hincapi. Yeah, right,
2: Leverkusen. Yeah. Ecuadorian, 20, centre-back, left-back. Yeah. Good passer, comfortable in possession. Good bringing the ball out, heavily linked. I think a lot of the talk is that we're going to bring in two centre-backs, so maybe that's one to keep an eye on. He looks really good. So if that happened, maybe Longley is under uh, understudy, and um, yeah, and again more cover at left back if needed. Uh, Tiedemanns came up, came and went earlier in the week. It, um, there was uh, lots of talk about us being linked with him, and then didn't happen. Jesse Lingard has come up again this week. Ugh, that's agent talk. It has to be surely,
0: right? I mean, I mean, no I would have game. thought
2: he's most likely to go to West Ham, and I would be surprised if he would switch sitting on the United's bench for us. Um, but he would help with the homegrown quota.
0: I'm going to throw one in the mix that we've all missed. I haven't finished um, yet, but go on. I'm sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, you carry on because I've got two slam
2: dunks. You're not going to steal my thunder because my last. I've got two and my last one you're not going to get. So
0: Okay, but have you got the Villarreal left-back Purvis Estupinen on your list? No, but I like his name. Yeah, he's been, he's been linked with us a couple of times. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh, and, and apparently... Uh, as I said, was said to be interested in Villarreal's Purvis Estupinen. Uh, the left back played his part to help Villarreal reach the semi finals of the Champions League last season. Um, he joined uh, Villarreal in 2020 from Watford. Could we be seeing a second Watford player rocking up at the lane? Via all, I can, club? all I
2: can think of now is the brass eye Jarvis Cocker spoof, Purvis Grundy uh, <laughs> from the band Blouse. <laughs> I can't get beyond that.
0: Anyway, well, that's my contribution to the breaking. Uh, so come on, I want to see these. I want to see these slam dunks. So,
2: Sunderland are meant to be interested in Jack Clark. Um, so he was on loan there last season. They're meant to be interested in a permanent deal for him uh, after they got promotion to the Championship. Do you want a drum um, roll for this final one or not? Well, um, <laughs> it's the one that, it's the one you're be most interested in. <laughs> Heavy rumours that Galini is going to be joining Fia and Tina on loan with an option to buy so i I know you want to know what um what galini was up to
0: you genuinely had me going there i thought you were going to link us with some something like epic i thought wow he's really gone undercover and you could bring us (laughs) galini what he's not apple is he still officially no 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 we can't
2: but just like to keep tabs on him yeah we like to keep (laughs) up with old friends yeah. yeah. Oh, you I loved thought... him, yeah, Milo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I I counted him out as soon as he joined. So I mean.
0: Well, I mean, it's it is actually, in fairness, you bringing up uh, Gallini's work and uh, with us or not, and you know his movements right now, maybe at Fiorentina, it does. It is the sort of thing that segues so naturally into transfers that broke our hearts, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, it really isn't, is it? But it was a it was an awkward but good way to segue into this final section of the of the pod this week, which is uh, transfers that broke our hearts. Um, let's just get right in there. As I say, it's going to be a bit of a free for all. This uh, chaps, uh, we'll go in order. I'll start with you, Ricky, and then go to and then Milo. Follow up the first player to leave Spurs that broke your heart, truly broke your heart.
1: I think this is a little bit root one, but um, as I've said before, uh, my first season was 1987. And I think if you watch your team for years on the telly, when you then actually go to regularly watch them live, to be able to see in the flesh Mr. Glenn Hoddle after all the kind of plaudits he'd had beforehand and all what you witnessed on the telly was a sight to behold. And of course, he was still in his prime then. I know obviously he went off to Monaco. um, And that did. It kind of... Literally, I got to see him. That I think a half a season before he then announced he was going to go to Monaco, and that was all. So it was like a it was like a ticking clock. Where, so it's your um, fault. No. what well, it's it's your he fault? Made, he uh, left. He
0: heard that you oh, were showing up. Yeah, he saw I'm me up in the sand, so I
1: don't want to play for <laughs> that. Yeah. you're at the pitch? <laughs> yeah, I'm off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, nutty. That bloke's a bit round the twist. I can't stick around for that. Getting out of here. Yeah. So. Which begs to which begs to mind. What were you doing with your ass revealed so low in the corner against Oxford at the Paxton? Uh,
1: yeah, well, it, I, I wasn't. I, I was there that day, but I wasn't in the Paxton, unfortunately. But that was oh. such a, and even that was such a kind of romantic way for it to kind of end. The way he scored that goal at Oxford because he was just. It was just so hoddle. and he, he probably, undoubtedly, talks about that one now. I'd say, but um, <laughs> um, it was yeah, it was the way he signed off, and you just knew that that's it. He's not going to be coming back. And I mean, luckily, his old um, Diamond Lights partner Waddle kind of cushioned the blow slightly by staying around for a bit longer. But yeah, he was my he was everyone's kind of love at Tottenham really. And for him to, I, I suppose you have to be grateful. I saw him for a season, so you know that that's that's a great thing really but yeah he was definitely when you're that age you are a little bit more kind of susceptible to being more emotional they're your heroes aren't they they're and and he'd become a real life hero you know i saw him every week when i went to the lane that season so yeah he was mine
2: eric lamella i haven't really cared about any player before or since (laughs) Come on, (laughs) well steph did say this before the chat that
1: it's actually quite difficult to like really no. pinpoint emotional reactions to <laughs> well players. let's pinpoint no. let's pin no. him to I,
0: I, an emotional reaction let's not let him hide I, I behind the, no rock, the, the rock the rock no that hearts. is lamella come on <laughs> come on come on um, come No,
2: re- realistically it'd be the same for me it'd be hoddle and waddle um <laughs> uh kind of you know kind of you know formative years and they were the kind of first big players that left you know when i was you know kind of first really aware of the the side you know so you know although I watched Spurs before that my you know kind of my memories are hazy really of that so yeah kind of you know be those two really
0: yeah. it's interesting because what we were talking about in the pod before was like you know how much more this this seems to have taken on that the whole heartache heartbreak thing seems to have come on in the last 25 30 years maybe because uh yeah you know, I started watching seventy nine eighty, like going to games and so I saw Hoddle and all that and I, I didn't his departure didn't affect me in the same way. I wasn't really that bothered about ins and outs at that time. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, I think the uh, the first time I got an inkling of being uh, heartbroken w- was Gaza, but mm. that was mapped out and we understood why that had to happen, albeit architectural and budgetary uh, fuck-ups really contributed to that. So you're kind of looking at Irving Scholar and saying, you're a nice bloke and you're a big supporter, but you really muffed this one, mate, haven't you? Um, but the one that really broke my heart <clears throat> and this is probably, I think, going to be quite controversial, but if we all look deep inside, I don't think many of us can deny it was one of the biggest heartbreaks ever was Sol Campbell. It was mm. truly heartbreaking. You know, uh, Ricky, we were talking about the fact we both saw his debut. Yeah. Um, uh, I was at his final game at, uh, at the semi-final against Arsenal, which the Athletic did a, a tremendous uh, recreation of, by the way. um, You can forage through their articles on Sol Campbell. But it was genuinely heartbreaking because... Yeah. He was one of our own. He really was. And he was the best central defender in Europe. And he was the first player to ever take advantage of the Bosman rule in that way, I think, to my mind. And add that to his already kind of curiously shy character, where he's not exactly one of the great public speakers of our time as Sol. Uh, The whole thing added up to a monstrously uh, bizarre lack of communication Mm. As he approached the end of his contract, and and it just it was it was, but it was heartbreaking because you didn't believe he would go, let alone to them.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's how it dragged out. I mean, younger fans who weren't following us at the time, you know, com- the comparison now would be like Kane leaving to them to, to them on a free, wouldn't it? I mean, that's the comparison. Yeah. You think about all the drama last summer about yeah. Kane yeah. wanting to go to Man City, but if you think about that, because the, the Campbell thing dragged on all of that season, and certainly from January onwards, he was. Hinting that he'd he might stay, and there was you know kind of warm words and what have you, but you knew that there was other stuff going on as well, so all of that stuff last summer around Kane to city, if that was to Arsenal for no money that 's the closest I can think of yeah
0: it, it's very ironic you mentioned that because Daniel levy came in as a witness to that happening. I mean he couldn't do anything about it. He was powerless. He came in. The transition of power was had, had happened was happening as you know, Sol mm. Campbell decided not to renew and go across the road. And I you know, it's it's impossible not to believe the huge impact that made on how Levy views player contracts.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a few like that, aren't there? I mean, obviously, that's one of them. Uh, uh, the Modric one was meant to have been one that kind of affected him the other way in that he kind of thought he was um, uh, the dog's bollocks after kind of forcing him to stay for a season and, and kind of outwitting Chelsea.
1: I think when, I think when you are younger, you're you're a lot more submerged and full on with your rivalries with your other teams then. So I think it's it, it, and, you know, there's all the kind of banter thing goes on with your mates. And of course, you play football when you're younger as well. And you have all mm. that kind of conversations all the time. So it is it's so galling when especially as you said it was drawn out. And I think I even read that he even wrote. I don't think it was in the program. It might have been in. Did we used that Spurs news, newspaper thing we used to put out mm. all the time, didn't we? That he did actually say in that that he was going to stay. Well, and... the big
0: the, he made a big mistake. He gave a TV interview to Claire Tomlinson from Sky. And if you you can find it, you can find a clip on, on, on YouTube where he actually, she, she puts the question to him and he actually says, mm, I'm going to stay. It was the only time he made any comment. And it, it was, I mean, you could see that he didn't really know what to do or what to say I mean he was I think his personality comes into this cause he's a shy yeah. and somewhat curious individual at the best of times yeah. um, and and you know I think another thing that we, we all forget and to your point, Ricky, you know we think about these things as fans 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 the guy was getting paid 14 grand a week at, at that time roughly give or take five hundred quid a week he's 14 and a half grand let's say and he was he was one of England's very top defenders. And, you know, suddenly he sees his contract six months away and he sees the chance to get 120 grand a week. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: he's it's it, it's it's he's going to do it. And and everyone at the club knew, the players apparently knew from, from Christmas that he wasn't going to re-sign. He wasn't saying anything, but they were just like, pff, pff,
2: why wouldn't you? You've also got to be honest about the state of where we were at the time. We were in absolute yes. shambles. We were miles yes. behind. You know, you've got players taking out John Lloyd memberships in order to go to the gym. And yeah. then, uh, you know, down the road, you've got the most progressive manager in the English game playing, who's you know extending players' yes. careers, doing you know, f- you know groundbreaking stuff in terms of fitness and diet. And, you know, I mean, you know, even just getting your players to go to the dentist because it sorts out your back and stuff like this, yeah. which, you know, yeah. and, you know, we're leasing a training ground off the council and, and I, players I, yeah. are having to take out their own gym membership.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with all that. But there are more roads to walk down than the Seven Sisters road. Of course, of course. I leaving. agree. I you agree. I mean? that's, and, the, and, that's the biggie, really, isn't it? I think. We'll,
0: and let it not be said that I didn't spend a good two decades <laughs> unable to see beyond my 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 my, my you know. And, I want to say hatred, my intense dislike of what happened and you know, I myself had a couple of the printouts of the Sol Campbell pound notes that were going around and uh and, and used to wave them furiously. You know, but I would never have uh indulged in the racist abuse that he got or any of that pathetic tree hanging stuff which really fucking annoyed me and I told people around me sometimes to shut the fuck up. There's not having any of that. That's not but The thing
2: you know, the thing with it was is that you know he could have joined United, he could have joined Barcelona, and you know if he joined them on a free, I don't think many of us would have begrudged him that. We might have moaned no. that we missed out on you know X the million money, yeah. that we would have got for him, but we would have understood yeah. the reason for that, and it was going down yeah. the road.
0: Just to wrap up, I don't think any of us feel any less about the that um, that the, the quote unquote traitordom of it, if you will. I think it's something that you know it's an unspoken rule that you don't do things like that in football. Having said that, you know I, I think. <laughs> Age has certainly, surely given us the wisdom to recognise why it happened. Um, uh, I think that's a very important uh, point. But yes, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Mm. And uh, you just mentioned uh, Milo just um, in in my in my ear there. You mentioned Robbie Keane. There's another one, right? That surely broke our hearts. We knew Berbatov was going, and then Keane rocks up and says, "I'm off."
2: Yeah, I'm mean, not. <laughs> timing, timing was awful with that losing both of them that summer, wasn't it? And then also oh. Keane, the the um, childhood fan crap with Keane. Oh, um hurt as well. I mean, I think we all knew that he wasn't a kind of diehard Spurs Spurs fan. You know, he'd moved around his clubs before he came to us, but um Yeah, he enjoyed he'd his really, passport. Yeah. But he but he'd been really embraced by the the fans and then to do that was um was hard going.
1: We oh yeah. I mean he I suppose he he had to do the walk back to the club eventually though, didn't he, mm-hmm. when we re signed him, so that must have been he seems quite he seems to like us now as well, doesn't he? So yeah. I mean he spent a lot of part of his career career here, so I suppose, you know, he's got a more than a soft spot for us. But as you say, um was the Liverpool's was that all bollocks and the Liverpool Love, was it?
2: Dunno. I said mean yeah? play, players say all that kind of crap whenever they sign, don't they? And I think <laughs> you know, but I mean, for that matter, you know, kind of Keane's love for us now. It might just be professional in that yeah. you know the, the way to make for him to make money is talking about Spurs, and mm. for that you've got to be staying on side yeah. with the fans. You know exactly. that's. But one one of the things that I do remember is when he came to play. Do you remember Redknapp
0: had that four-four draw at uh, the Emirates, and then we played Liverpool at home the following Saturday, and we were one-nil down, mm. and and King got substituted uh, by um, by, um, by Benitez. Yeah, and up until that point he'd been bossing the game from an albeit slightly withdrawn position. He was mm. sort of playing in that number 10, not as a the direct striker. He was bossing the game. I mean, we've really got Benitez to thank for ruining his Liverpool career because yeah. he had a great I – mean, he had a player that was very effective for him and he seemed to give him zero love whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, I was relieved when he came back. But my word, it hurt when he left, yeah. didn't it? It really did. And, I mean, we can't mention heartbreak transfers, surely, without um, without GB. No. I mean, Yeah. <sighs>
1: He he was one of the ones that definitely. Even if you're older, then it's another one where you've witnessed an absolute pedigree player. He was like a top of top of the tree, becoming almost the best player in Europe. And another player, you witness him week in, week out, just become, uh, make the game look easy because of his sheer power, I think. It was his sheer oh. power.
2: Talking about Goodney but, Berg- Bergson here, are we? Good- <laughs> Goodney Bergson, yeah, it's Ellie, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, oh,
1: good. And that, The name that rolls
0: off our lips, of course, when we think of heartbreaking transfers. Bless you, Goodney, we did love you. Yeah, good
1: yeah. But yeah. no, no. <laughs> but yeah, Bale was... and I. Th- it, obviously, it was big money again, so the money talks. But I think... Um, It'd it was have been more nice than it... they,
0: more than Madrid paid for Man United for Ronaldo.
1: Exactly, yeah. But I think if he could have stayed around it would have been fantastic I think. You know, we could have He's almost a player that were, could elevate you to mm. titles and trophies because he was just a machine
2: at that time. But oh. he was carrying us wasn't he again. Yeah. Oh. He was. He we was kind of careless. denied it, but I think he was. Yeah.
0: Well, you we did have Vertonghen and Dembele <laughs> yeah, in at that time exactly. as well, right? So there were, there were the seeds of a good pl- yeah. side behind him. What about Janola,
2: Man in the raincoat.
0: <sighs> I mean, he was such a, such a light at that time when man in a raincoat. I mean, he really was the shining light for so long, wasn't he? And it was
2: sad to see him. Uh, yeah. He was forced out, wasn't he? Yeah, he was forced out. So we had a, Pre-season friendly against at um, Craven Cottage against Fulham. I think it was about a week or so. Memory tells me it's a week or so after he left. It might, it might be different, but I say I remember going there and the Fulham fans singing "Where's Genoa gone?" at us, and it was just it really hurts standing there oh, and getting, yeah, that's, getting yeah. ribbed.
1: Yeah, that's a good shout, Milo. When the opposition fans do things, sometimes it does. You try and pretend it's not really bothering you. But yeah, as you say, you know, inside sometimes but you just think, oh,
2: yeah, really no, singing that, sing that to the tune of chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it is a
0: heartbreaker, as you say, when context, especially given there was man in a raincoat dictating mm. that uh, style and flair be, be uh, you know, fucked off rather quickly from under his, uh, horrible, um, you know, uh, rain, if you will. But I'm going to throw another one in if I can. Um, and I can because I'm going to. And this one really did break my heart. And we talk about how old we are. I mean, I was uh, I was 54 when this happened. Um, but for so many reasons, Deli Alley's transfer to Everton really did break my heart as much because it really did signal the end of, of, of a glorious uh, era for the club. I feel that he was so emblematic of the Pochettino era and everything about it. And seeing him go was just final confirmation that, yeah, we're moving on. And, and we have to and and also that 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 really if we 're really honest, and I have to be honest with myself, the unfulfilled promise of a player that I considered mm. to be truly potentially world class and and one of the most entertaining footballers i 've had the pleasure of watching over forty five years at Spurs, some of the things he did were just magnificent um and it and it really upset me for a while it 's really it saddened me, it saddened mm. me, and I feel myself. Even when I was watching those clips of him with Everton celebrating at the end of their, you know, when they stayed up and so on. You're looking and he's half-heartedly sort of got his arm going Everton with all the players. And you're like, you're one of us and you should never have left. But it had to happen. Mm. And I've been forced to face that. But it it really upset me. Am I the only one?
1: No, no, it definitely upset me as well. I'm more in a kind of direct way towards him because his trajectory has really kind of come down. And it was almost... Flat line for a while but he'd have those little blips of recovery and yeah. that's all they were, were little blips and yeah. that kind of belies his initial years with us where he was Ooh, literally if. one of the probably top five players in Europe or top young players in Europe definitely on the upcoming yeah. and it's just amazing and that's what's that's the sad as you say the sad and the upsetting bit is and it doesn't really look like a move to Everton's gonna like breathe life into him you never know it might do if they if, if they get rid of Lampard
2: and someone else comes in you never know it might work but this is the genius of Paratici at work so by taking Richarlison to us he's created an opening for Delhi and we're <laughs> going to get our 20 million <laughs> earlier so this is yeah, uh, this yeah, is where we get true. our money in <laughs> Yeah. And also,
0: this is where we can further <laughs> eulogize Fabio Paratici's genius in helping, uh, as you say, restore the glory of former players so as we can look and say, ah, oh, brilliant, he's got his career back on track, whilst at the same time allowing us to have a fantastic world class forward in our lineup. Well called, Milo. And maybe that is, I, I mean, I, I, look, we could probably dig around and find heartbreaking transfers forever, but those are probably the most prominent ones that we should that we should address and maybe, maybe we leave it there although I see Ricky is uh, maybe no, one more, say, one more not,
1: heartbreaker. Well, no, no, more, more of a case of not necessarily heartbreaking but more, do you know, the ones that kind of more gut-wrenching because you're a bit sick because I think there are some, Ooh. I think there's also um, really? some players leave that you know full well are sort of paramount in the direction that the team's taken at that moment mm. and i can go back to 87 for starters and richard goff was one of them yeah definitely, he was definitely absolutely definitely. one of them i mean if nick barby's another one yeah, yeah. nick Barmby's another one i was quite sadly and also michael carrick because he was so oh, paramount in that good team. Good
0: shout! And, good shout! That is a gut wrencher. You're
1: right. There is they're a slight more gut difference. wrenching. Yeah, there is a slight mm. difference because you knew yeah, that they're very big good. players in that
2: team. And and that's a good I, shout. I think I think yeah. a lot of these are actually about kind of where we stood at that time. So if you look at Campbell, yeah. if you look at Carrick, yeah. you know, it's where you know Keane, mm. Berbatov. I mean, to be fair, when you know if had, if Real Madrid come in for one of our top players now, even now they're probably going to want to go. But we're not likely to lose a player to Manchester United at the moment, are we?
1: Mm.
2: You know, it's not—it's not not a step up for someone at the moment. So it does kind of—it does kind of step down. Well, no, yeah, absolutely. But it does kind of shows. Ronaldo's leaving Man United because he wants Champions League football. It's brilliant. (laughs) We, you know, we're not going to lose lose a player to you know our best players to Man United. We're not going to lose our best players mm. to Arsenal at the moment because it's a step down from where we are. So a lot of it is actually maybe not so much about the player, although you love the player. It's also kind of recognizing where you are in the food chain. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting. And, it's a good. And I think it's, that's it's probably a, what Everton fans are going through with Richarlison at the yeah, moment. In that yeah. you know they are a big club. They're not you know they're not as big as us, and they've had a bad season and they've lost their best player because a big club's come in and said we'll have them and there's nothing you yeah. can do about it and that's where no. you know, we've been there we know that feeling yeah.
1: and and you and you know that player is such a key person at that moment yes, and yeah. what you didn't know was coming around the corner was a big fish coming around to like swallow him up kind of thing and it just yeah. sets you back so much you can't really plan if a big person disappears out of your team yeah.
0: It's interesting. One of the things that I think about the Modric transfer, which was a gut-wrencher as uh, more than a heartbreaker, for sure, because, as you say, he was an integral part of the team, but mm. he wasn't exactly a personality that you warmed to. That's mm. not to say he's not a good bloke. He just is yeah. not who he is. Um, yeah. But Redknapp did a very good job of diffusing that. Um, you know, he did a really good job of not making that seem quite as quite as, as seismic as it actually was. Mm. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes the way a manager reacts. I mean, one day Ramos got 52 goals taken from him in a
2: summer I mean, he. Yeah. You know, I, I think the difference with Modric is we got the extra year as well. Yes. Yeah. So I that makes a that. big difference. I think we all knew it was happening. We all knew that when yeah. we when we uh, rebuffed um, Chelsea the summer before, we were getting yeah. one more year. We knew that yeah. was the deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and in fairness, we did the player a massive, uh, massive favour in that regard. I yeah. think because he's ended up as a Madrid legend. Well, speaking of, of, of uh, you know, a player who's gone on to become a huge legend mm. at another club, um, that club being Real Madrid, who we, you know, have sold a couple of players to in the past. Which current player leaving would upset
1: you the most? Me? Um, yeah. Right you could, now, you you could easily think someone like Sonny and that, mm. but mine would be Harry Kane. Because it's a kind of, I just like the kind of, and of course he slightly tarnished what went on last summer with, you know, thinking he wanted away. But I think, I I, I pass that off as wanting away because I don't like the direction the club's going in or, or that kind of thing. I was quite, happy. I'm quite, it's, it's never, a, I don't think it's a financial thing with Kane, it never is, I don't think. But I, I'm very much a bit like you, step into the romantic story of a player going from all the way through the academy to come in and make no bones about this. If you look back in 20, 30 years, he'll be up there with... I witnessed the whole career of a Greaves basically another Jimmy Greaves and it's quite hard to say that in the moment because you still keep churning it out season after season and you and you're just seeing it kind of live as it unfolds and that's why I'd be quite I just really wouldn't want him to leave now I hope that he just spends the rest of his days with us so he, he completes that whole cycle because in football
2: that's not really happening that often let's face it my favorite player Sonny uh, in the current side to just love him. He's just an absolute joy to watch. But when I was thinking about this, say when I wrote the question, um, it's going to be really weird. and It's going to happen in a year or two. It's going to be really weird looking at the team and Hugo's not there anymore. Yeah, And there's are going to be big boots to fill. He's been around a long time. He's a really, really key part of this team. It's going to be really weird when he goes.
0: Yeah, good shout. I mean, I think I'm with you, Ricky, Harry Kane uh, primarily, but my sneaker... And one that this is very personal. It goes down to, <laughs> and again it goes down to personalities, and again it goes down to 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 presence and what he means to the club. But I think the day that Eric, if there is a day, and I hope there isn't, uh, that Eric Dyer uh, leaves this football club, it will be a really sad one for me personally because I yeah. think he's just been such a talisman, and he is actually at this point, along with along with Kane and Son, he's he's the survivor of 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 the of the first. Well, and Larice, the four of them actually, when you put it, they're a quartet, right? Any one of them would be, and mm. uh, then Ben Davis. Actually, there's a lot more than I think. <laughs> but I just, I see Eric Dyer as such a talisman of of all that's good uh, about uh, uh, football and Tottenham Hotspur.
2: It's gonna be difficult for him to ju- uh, juggle filming Bond films, isn't it? With um, yeah, fifty <laughs> games is. a season for for Spurs. So that,
0: uh, he's allowed to quit if that. He's allowed to quit for filming. I you know, think other if than he, that.
2: <laughs> if he say like he'd be
1: finish his career here. I mean, probably even if he didn't, I think. He's definitely got high potential to just do another role at the club, anyway. I think. I hope so. In other words, whether it be coaching, you know, he might be, he might make a good director of football or something, you know, in the future. I hope no. he doesn't <laughs> leave. He's would be the yeah That would, be, whole, yeah, that would a be a
0: heartbreaker lad. for me. But with you, but again, uh, I mean, Kane is the one that the both of them. That's, I, I'm going to finish with both of them as ever. I can never see. I can never have a one name answer there, yeah, as you can say. I've got two so wow well i mean yeah brilliant that was a good one that i mean we could probably talk about this for a lot longer uh you know vinnie sam probably will and, when
2: we stop uh, recording <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes that's right sorry folks we, we we do we do have to show some sense of editorial decorum here and bring this to a close officially but just know you're missing out on all the really juicy stuff in about five if, if minutes if we ever get around thanks to for launching
2: a patreon that's <laughs> <laughs> kind of, that's right yeah we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. Rele- we'll release the hour of Chatting we do before and after the pod is, uh, <laughs> uh yeah,
0: There you go. It's value-added content. That's right. Uh, thank you very much, chaps. That was a lot of fun. Cheers, Thanks, Steph. Great. And we'll be back next week and throughout the summer with a weekly dose of Spurs-related chat um, uh, episodes. Uh, we keep on saying this every week. Episodes might come out on different days or in clusters. But so far, we have been like a metronome. That's not to say that we won't take advantage of not having to fit episodes around matches here and there. We might, but so far. We've been with you weekly. Continue to subscribe to The Game Is About Glory on your favorite pod platform to make sure you don't miss any. And whilst you are there, leave us a five-star review. As always, everyone, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you next week. Goodbye.